Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley. And Alex Yankovich. What's up guys and welcome back to our podcast. Happy New Year. Um, we are so excited to kick off this new year with our new partnership uh, with our friends over Inside Dance Magazine. So super excited. Alex, how are you feeling about it? I'm seriously so happy. I can't wait to be reaching more ears and really expanding, you know, our listeners. So I'm really excited and I really hope this becomes a place where dancers, performers, studio owners, convention owners, everyone on the entire dance community spectrum and beyond outside of like our dance community. I'm so excited to just reach you know, more people and hope that this is a fun place for them to check in, ask themselves those good questions and get to know the amazing guests that we're going to continue to interview. No, absolutely. And I mean, confirm or deny, I know for me, like, I remember getting my like monthly dance publications and like the first thing I would do is like open it up and you're like, okay, cool. What are the trends this week? What's, what's happening? What's the latest buzz in the convention world? And I know Inside Dance absolutely parallels that. And so I'm excited to, um, yeah, be the voices for that. And to, like you said, just broaden our reach and, um, hopefully be the voices that inspire little Alex and little Taylor from back in the day. It's so true because I was obsessed with reading dance magazines and there is a ton of information that I still keep to this day. Uh, there was one article about um, how important your wardrobe is for class and how what you wear affects your entire mood, affects how you're going to take class, how you're going to perform, and just all these little tips and tricks that I've kept with me. And I always loved looking up to everybody. And I remember I I think I did um, Dance Spirit Future Star little segment uh, when I was like <laughs> 10 years old. And Absolutely. I had, like, I had a picture uh, that we took at the Bramall <laughs> in my rhinestone dress. And As I, one does. I just really, I love that there's publications for dance because it's super important, especially, uh, you know, in the pandemic, people realize how art is extremely important for our mental and physical health. So I'm excited to just keep expanding and running with this. Totally. And I'm going to need you to go and find that copy of that uh, magazine and <laughs> upload a picture because that sounds pretty fire. So yeah. Um, yay. Well, let's get right to it, guys. Um, so moving forward, um, uh, if you've listened to our previous episodes, our previous podcast episodes, um, each week we like to highlight or bring focus to a different either company, nonprofit, charity, organization, big, small, um, that has some sort of impact or reach onto our dance and entertainment community. So moving forward, we're going to be titling this segment our Community Spotlight, because who doesn't like to be in the spotlight, right? So um, this week and kicking off our new year, this one actually hits home for both Alex and I because um, this company is run by a very dear friend, incredible dancer, choreographer. Uh, her name is Kelsey Walsh. Um, so Kelsey Walsh is a dancer originally from Chicago where she trained under Nick Papillo, the owner of Visceral Dance Chicago. Alex, Kelsey, and I were all in the same class at the University of Arizona and instantly became just super close friends. Um, after graduating, Kelsey moved to Utah to dance with Odyssey Dance Theater, and then later moved to LA to shift her focus more into modeling and acting. 
Uh, currently, Kelsey calls Austin, Texas home, where she teaches and choreographs for several studios in the area. Now, Kelsey, if you're listening, first of all, hi, I miss you. And secondly, um, I just need to like brag on her. Her choreographic skills are amazing Insane. and i remember being being in school together and i'm like oh this girl this girl can move she's creative and so um alex you you danced with her like and a few of her pieces i believe right yeah and she's just the absolute best to work with she uh sorry i'm gonna totally <laughs> totally gonna just like spray my opinion all over this i really don't like going to rehearsal uh where we're gonna workshop <laughs> I don't like workshopping things. And Kelsey is the antithesis of that. She's like, no workshopping, we're coming in. Here's the choreography, here are the counts exactly. She has everything planned. She's just an absolute joy to work with. She has a brilliant mind. And she's someone I always looked up to dance-wise. Like even though we were in the same class, like in improv class freshman year, I'd be like, this girl is unreal. She's just such a beautiful mover and such a sweet, sweet person. So I love supporting. Um, this that she's created yeah no and isn't it it's it makes it that much more special when um you know you can put a face to a company um and that face is such a beautiful kind soul so kelsey started off the new year by launching her planet-friendly virtual class platform called eco grooves um when i asked kelsey like hey what inspired you what was the reason for for starting this she said after losing all of my belongings in a fire in 2018 i began researching minimal toxic free eco-conscious and low waste tools to rebuild my home with when COVID hit, I decided to combine my passion for movement with my newfound appreciation of the earth to create an affordable, accessible fitness platform that supports our health and the health of our planet, which like, how could you not want to just like sink your teeth into this idea after hearing that? Um, so it is an online, uh, EcoGroups is an online platform that offers virtual donation-based classes. And the cool part is they give 15% of their proceeds back to environmental organizations. So for the months of January and February, their proceeds will be going towards uh, the Ocean Cleanup, which as their name entails, um, it's a nonprofit that uh, they're developing advanced technologies to rid the world's oceans of plastic. And as we know, it's everywhere, right? You can learn more about Eco Grooves on their website, www.ecogrooves.com. There you can see the full weekly schedule, including classes that are taught by myself and Taylor and many other amazing, amazing humans. Uh, plus you can sign up for Kelsey's weekly newsletter, which I highly recommend. I'm obsessed with getting like all the eco-conscious tips every week. It's my favorite email that I receive, mm -hmm. um, but it's, uh, simple life hacks to help you live a cleaner and more sustainable lifestyle uh, because who doesn't want to give back to our planet while detoxing our day-to-day -day lives? I love it. Can I get an amen? So definitely um, check out Eco Grooves, check out their website. And uh, just to spell that out, it's Eco, E-C-O, Grooves, G-R-O-O-V-E-S. So awesome. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Now let's move forward. Um, new year, best version of us, right? We're setting the stage for um, this next chapter, um, which hopefully will be a little bit, a little bit better than this last crazy hectic year that we had. But, um, in that I wanted to kind of talk Alex a little bit about setting the stage, like quite literally as a dancer and a performer, but also setting the stage in our daily lives. So, um, me being the nerd that I am, I went ahead and just did some research to, um, learn about the history of stages. So like, where did they come from? And you know, I know, um, <laughs> actually, you remember, we both freshman year took a history of ancient Rome class. Um, <laughs> oh my God, yeah, I, bl I blocked that out. Good times. That went in one year out the other. <laughs> 
just so sweaty from rehearsal and like I feel terrible for all the other kids that we had to sit next to. Yeah, I kids, whatever. They were <laughs> same age. So um the very first, the oldest places for theatrical performances um, were actually in Minoan palaces on the island of Crete. Uh, the oldest of these is estimated to have been built in around 2000 BC. So then fast forward, okay, cool, we have stages. Um, the first actor to play a character other than himself and create a traveling stage, which um, as I understand it was like a portable cart. Uh, his name was Thespis and that was in 600 BC, which I feel like we can all relate to like, six-year-old us being like at Christmas getting the entire family being like I'm putting on a performance now so like work Thespis <laughs> he was the innovator of that yeah and Thespis uh as in thespian which I became a thespian in high school as a mother's day gift to my mom <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together what? you're so smart okay Thespis thespian <laughs> makes sense um it said um according to my research the first actual theater made for performances like other than just like town halls meetings and forums was in athens at the acropolis in 497 bc so there's uh, some fun facts some history for you regarding stages um now in that i also wanted to talk a little bit about the different types of stages so maybe if you're a younger listener and i know i didn't really even think of types of stages until you know we were taking um what was that class in college production. yes dance production in college um friday morning 8 a.m <laughs> um but we <laughs> learning to change lighting gels totally. and state different kinds of stages which like honestly gave me such an appreciation for all the stage technicians stage hands so shout out to you guys if you're listening um but the different types of stages so the one that we know most commonly is a proscenium stage and that is um, a stage that is framed by a proscenium arch, right? So you have wings, uh, you have uh, maybe a scrim or something in the back. That's the kind of stage I grew up dancing on. Um, you know, whenever I go see Nutcracker, I feel like it's always on a proscenium stage. But additionally, you also have a thrust stage, which now take that proscenium and then kind of thrust the stage part out into the audience slightly. Um, additionally, you have a theater in the round, um, which as its name entails, uh, theater with 360 seating all the way around. That also includes like arena or stadium stages. Um, and then the most simple version of a stage would be a black box stage, right? So imagine a big Which room. Which is my personal favorite. <laughs> love a black box I like no other. I love it. That like intimate cabaret feeling, so good. Oh, there's uh, nothing like it. But that would be, yeah, like a big room or a big studio, typically painted black, hence the name. And then you can hang drapes as wings or not um but i also grew up doing like my very beginning first acting classes where i probably like played a tree in the jungle book whatever we're in black box stages so lastly um the one and i've never had a chance to perform in an open air theater but i would love to so open air theater right as its name entails whether that's like an amphitheater or um if you're from utah or the southern Southwest part of the country you may have heard of Tuacon, which is an equity theater, beautiful equity theater Gorgeous. in St. George, Utah. I know we've had a handful of friends that have had the opportunity to perform on that stage. So I just look forward to hopefully one day, you know, adding that to my resume or at least going up there and checking it out. Cause from what I've seen, it's absolutely stunning. But um, Alex, what are some of your experiences? Like, have you performed on all of these stages? None of these stages, which is your favorite? I think I've, I've done most of them, which I'm very, you know, very lucky to say um, I've definitely done an arena uh, we used to have 
our football games at the uh, Anaheim Angels Stadium, which I think is now called the Los Angeles Angels. Don't come at me. I'm not totally positive. <laughs> um, and those are always, arenas are so, so cool. I love a good proscenium stage. Black Box is my favorite. Uh, we were very lucky at Love uh, to be dancing in the round. That was such a great skill to pick up as a performer, learning mm -hmm. to perform up, out, and around. Uh, and I've been lucky enough to perform on the stair stage and we've performed on Zumanity stage and oh, with the water. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're very blessed that we've had these experiences. I will say when um, we went to China with Artifact Dance Project, um, our freshman year of college, we did 14 cities in five weeks of China. It was really a jam-packed trip and we performed in the most beautiful theaters I've ever seen. But there was one theater i forget they had maybe just cleaned the stage but the texture of the floor was uh like a rubber car tire and i i we don't i don't even Sounds remember safe yeah so we had to readjust the whole whole show i think i had like a turn sequence and i was like this is getting deleted for sure, for sure. this is out <laughs> uh but i will say you know the stevie eller theater in you know at university of arizona is just one of my favorites but a favorite stage always comes from the growth that happens there for you. Like it could, Ooh, yeah. it just, they always, some just come by taking your like breath away and they're so beautiful as they are. If it's a smaller stage, it's still just as special with like the moments that you bring to it. And again, like I said, the growth that happens. So a stage is always one of my favorite places to be. I can't wait to, to enjoy that again. No, absolutely. And yeah, I think you, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, it's not so much the production value. I mean, of course, we all would love a large production value budget, but it's not so much you need millions, however much thousands of dollars to produce something. It's sometimes those small black box theaters, cabaret style settings, those are, you feel the most attached to the performer. And I know I'm speaking from experience here because, um, I remember we went and saw Ariana Grande's concert um, at T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas, or no, I'm sorry, it was MGM Arena. And beautiful, like great concert, but you know, we got like the $40 tickets, literally the last row of the arena. <laughs> and there is such a, I mean, obviously huge mega pop star, um, but there is definitely that disconnect when you're so far back um, versus being either in the pit or being, you know, it doesn't have to be a, pop concert, but having that proximity, that closeness that I think is so beautiful that I know um, in like over at Love and other shows, one of the coolest things about the show is the audience interaction and participation, mm -hmm. right? That unfortunately I know things had to be cut down um, with COVID. And so I'm interested to see how that will play a role coming back in once things open up again. Cause yeah, it's so much fun to be at a show and then realize you're in the show, you're part right. of the show, right? <laughs> so aside from like, literal stages, right? Is there anything else like, as far as like setting your stage? I know our last episode, we talked about resolutions and intentions, but like, what does that term mean to you to set the stage? Setting the stage is definitely a morning routine sort of thing for me. And actually that even starts with, I don't care if I sound like a grandma, getting enough sleep is so important. And especially for dancers and performers, you are just so much more on your game. And that's super important. So I always try to get seven to eight hours. I don't care how boring that sounds. I used to be a really fun person, but now I'm like eight hours of sleep for sure. And I'm like, uh, ooh, health, yay, priorities. Yay. <laughs> 2021. We are a health and wellness podcast. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, but I love, not I love, I make sure to make my bed every morning. I think there is a study out there saying your day is just a little bit more successful once you've 
completed that step. Uh, but setting the stage, just having your mind right, having things clean, having things organized, because then when life gets in the way, which it does every single minute, there's something that comes up, then you're not super stressed out about it because everything else is kind of seamlessly working together. And that's really, it's super important to me. I think um, that's what makes me able to kind of, and I think you as well, able to kind of breeze through challenges. Like it's still really hard, but I'm able, hey, it's fine. I have this stuff under control. These are the things I can be in charge of. So I'm going to be. So that's how I kind of set the stage for my life. And I think it's really important. I don't think it's something to be skipped. No, absolutely. What about you? <laughs> no, I'm like, preach times two. Um, no, I think I've also very much tried to prioritize my sleep and my health um, at the beginning of this year. And yeah, it's it's a lot of studies that... Um, a lot of studies, a lot of books and things that I've been reading um, regarding meditation, which is another huge thing I've been trying to implement, um, you know, just first thing in the morning is waking up, just taking a few deep breaths, you know, whether it's guided meditation or not. Um, but they talk about that. It's, it's if you can quiet your mind and focus, almost be like task oriented, which a task such as making your bed. Um, and you realize that and kind of zoom out of the um, loud thoughts that we're mm. all so prone to, I think you said in our last episode too, like not looking at your phone for the first hour, which is harder said than done, um, or so sorry, hard. is easier said than done. But yeah, it's, it's, if you set the stage internally, mentally for your day and you realize I got this, it's going to be fine. If you take that second to just prepare and breathe, same thing, you know, when you're nervous and you go on stage, right. Um, who was it? I, <laughs> I think, uh, it was Nigel Lithgow. At, I went to So You Think You Can Dance audition back in like, ooh, I don't know, 2011, whatever. And That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> stay tuned. Oh my gosh, we do need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but he said, one of the, the things he said that stuck with me, he says, never confuse nerves with excitement. And I think that's really great. And I think... Um, same thing as now I'm a little bit older and not like a young buck, 18 year old trying to get on TV is never confer or never confuse um, nervousness, anxiety, or stress with your ability to overcome and accomplish and know that what you're going to give back to the world today is worthy and you're able, you know, you can do that. Um, That's so amazing. I just got real deep there. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know where, no. <laughs> what satellite I was channeling, but but bringing oh, it back so to, the, to, to the analogy of just setting the stage, right? It's, it's especially in this time and we can't be on actual stages as much. And we're all taking class in our living room and, you know, doing potashahs over our coffee table and stuff. Finding the adaptability to make, make the world your stage, your day-to-day -day life, your stage, your fi uh, my fitness class that I teach, uh, your stage. It's, it's moving with life through this crazy time and knowing that once a performer, always a performer, so perform through your life. Don't wait for that huge million dollar production stage. Every day is a performance. That was so good. I'm so inspired. I've even <laughs> been saying like five minute call until my coffee's ready. Five minute call. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Someone I it brightens my day. <laughs> it was like a stage manager was like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but five minutes until, and it was like a, a play. Anyway, yeah, you, you said the joke way funnier. So we'll just cut this one out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, cool. Well, I think we've done a great job in setting the stage. Um, 
for this new year, um, this new partnership we're so excited about. Next up, you are in for a treat. I am so, so, so excited to welcome our next guest to our podcast. She has performed or choreographed on almost every stage you can think of in Las Vegas and probably a handful that you didn't even know existed. You may have caught her performing at 40 Deuce or perhaps at Larev the Dream. She has produced, directed, and choreographed her own show, Dizzy with a Dame, and continues to choreograph and create Guys, please welcome my dear friend, dancer, teacher, choreographer, director, producer, and full-on girl boss, Jamie Galliego. Welcome, Jamie. So great to be here. We're so excited to speak with you. It's so good to see you. I miss people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... uh, how, how you doing? How you hanging in there, like in this weird whirlwind black hole that is this year? Well, it's funny. I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I'm hanging in there. I used to say that to everyone. And I was like, how are you doing? Hey, what's new? And then I was like, let's cut that new intro work on it, Jamie, because I think we're all in this together. We all know how everyone's doing. But I would say I'm definitely, you know, um, seeing the brighter side of things and doing as well as I can be and um, feeling really positive, actually. So that's a good thing. So I'd like to spread that to anyone else that needs that. Amazing. It's sometimes when um, I feel like when the world matches what my anxiety is normally, I feel more com- comfort. <laughs> like exactly. before, I'm like, oh, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. But then when everyone's kind of, all, everybody all together is anxious, I'm like, Okay, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, I have food on the table right now. I, I have a, you know, I'm creating technically that's not super stressful. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna live day by day right now and try to help others and there we go. Absolutely. Totally, and it's so funny too. And I mean, you of all people, Jamie, you know, you, I, I feel like we're always working on 15 projects at once. And so <laughs> it's funny because the only thing we ever want is like more time and like, let me prepare and like, oh, could I get the music ahead of time and things like that. And then uh, on the converse of that now, it's just like, can I create anything? Anybody want anything to do? You know, like I'll, I'll make moves, I'll dance, I'll be a showgirl, what do you need? And so um, it's just so funny how the, the script has been flipped. But, um, but yeah, let's okay. dive into this. I want to um, know everything about you and your quirky brain and who you are. And so, um, yeah, Jamie, could you just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, maybe kind of your, um, how you got into dance and how we got to here. So no worries, just summarize, like, I don't know, the last 20 years of your life, go. <laughs> For sure. I'll try to keep it, you know, kind of short and interesting. Um, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I also, um, well, I trained at uh, Dance Connection in Arizona. I'm sure it's different these days. Uh, flew, my dad took us across the country. I lived in Baltimore, Maryland. So I got dance explosion experience out there. It was very like West Coast tricksters, you know, off the shoulder neon dance top when I was 10 to ballet leotards and jazz over on the East Coast. And I was like, wow. Um, about to go to Baltimore School for the Arts and then flew back to Phoenix. My dad's job offer took us there and finished out high school there. Um, huge into cheer, prom, golf, dance, all the things, but never stopped the dance and then went on to U of A. And then I was like, yeah, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> so I auditioned in Vegas and that's how I ended up in Vegas. So um, it, I didn't expect it to work. I didn't expect it to stick or stay, but I've been here ever since. I found a amazing community here in Las Vegas and family, and um, I'm so grateful for it. And clearly here I am now meeting new people, new friends, and I just love it here. 
What was your experience um, deciding to be done with school and move on? Because I find a lot of dancers like to, and artists as well, like to just kind of fit a mold and they do whatever, you know, their parents might tell them or whatever their friends are doing. And it's really hard to stand on your own and be like, no, what do I want? Especially at that young age. Um, and it's school is not for everybody and it is for some people. And so what was kind of your decision making there? Well, it's funny because, you know, growing up, both of my brothers, they're so intelligent and went to college. And I was like the dancer. We were all very athletic. Um, and my parents were brilliant. They did all the sports, but very intelligent. My father is a businessman. And I was like, okay, I, I have to go to college. Like, this is what my parents want. I just didn't know any other way. And then as I was in you know, you had to do a lot of the work yourself at U of A, Taylor, you know this, and like, I'm in a class of 500. And I was like, I, what, I have to like, I have to work here if I want this. And I just knew it wasn't for me. And I didn't want to waste my parents money anymore. I did love the college life for a second. But I, I also, sorry, let me go back when I was at Dance Connection, some of the students that were older than me, I saw them training in like the 400 classes at U of A. And I was like, they've been here for about four years. And then I remember them doing like a mock audition. They're like, well, after this, you could go to River North or you could be on a cruise ship. And I was like, I want to go to LA. Like, I just knew I was like, I want to, you know, do this. And so I've always been gone against the grain, but then telling my parents was a whole nother thing. And since then um, I said, mom, I want to go to Vegas and I want to audition. She took me and my brothers were like, you can't do that. And my dad was like, I don't know how I feel about it, but now they get it. Of course, like five years later, they totally got it. And my dad's like, wow, she hasn't come home. This is her community. And I had a really cool birthday surprise um, this year, actually. And I think it was due to COVID since everyone is just kind of coming together. And I shared it with my parents and they it brought tears to their eyes because they're like, we see how much you love that community. And I knew it was the right decision for me, but it was very difficult telling my parents. And now we joke about it. My dad's like, you could have saved me so much money. So to all the youth, tell your parents, don't be shy. They'll get it eventually. <laughs> totally. I love that. And I mean, as a fellow wildcat here, uh, <laughs> which I love. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so hard. And I feel I was definitely in that kind of what you were saying, Alex, that mold of like, yep, we're going to do it. I'm going to go to school. And then, you know, we're all so goal driven and, um, you know, future oriented that like um, exactly what you were saying at U of A, it was very like, dance company, Chicago, which that's where a lot of our professors came from. And so that's great. And I fully was like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid my first few years there. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what's meant for me. And then we changed Kool-Aid flavors. And I was like, wait a minute, I want to go to Vegas. And I want it. So I, totally, I, I echo and applaud your, um, yeah, decision in that. And clearly it, it worked out so well as, you know, your, your career has unfolded so beautifully here. And yeah, you just have such a beautiful name and a network here. And, you know, you do good things and people like you. So, uh, <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite thing is when people tell me you can't do something. I love it. Yes. I'm literally like, I'm like, oh my God, tell me again. Tell me again that yes. I'm not going to be able to do something because... I'm going to prove you wrong in a year or six months or whenever. That's my favorite thing. I live for it. <laughs> I call it the challenge. And I'm clearly always doing that. If somebody was like, you're not right for this part. I was like, I'm gonna make my own show. <laughs> like, and I mean, that's not even like the, it's just a silly example, but I definitely didn't listen to know very well. Totally. So when you, when you started, um, when you moved to Vegas and started auditioning, 
what was your first gig there and what was your transition like to make it feel like home? Like, did it feel like home right away? What was that experience for you? Oh, goodness. Um, definitely didn't feel like home. I mean, I was in this city. I was a baby and I didn't know anybody. Um, I basically flew out. Uh, it was MGM th had a theme park at the time, if you can believe this. I'm going to date myself right now. It was called Grandmosphere. And then there was the show EFX. In, and so MGM became my home. Like literally, I did everything from the theme park to that, to the studio, the nightclub that came there, to the ultra lounge that became that. And, but I, I just met this like core of um, directors and people and, and, you know, I had nothing else to do and all I wanted to do was dance. Taylor always says, we love dance. That was me, it's, still, it's never changed. And I was just like seven shows a day. So I became, you know, that's how I met that cast. And then it was like, I would go to the night show. And so that's how I met that cast. So literally I was just dancing, dancing, dancing. And like I said, the first community I met was this one backstage at MGM and they were such great people. A couple of them were from Phoenix. So I'd travel with them back home to visit the fam. And I'm just so grateful for them, for the dressers that were old performers themselves. I mean, we still talk to this day. So this community is pretty awesome and loyal and beautiful. So. That's amazing. I have two things. First off, what makes it an ultra lounge? That's the real question I need to know. Like, is there a non-ultra version of a lounge? And second yeah. off, I, I love what you said, but I'm going to echo, um, I don't know why echo is my word today, but I'm going to reiterate what you said about um, finding community in wardrobe and technicians and backup house because that is something that is so important to me. And yeah. I, I know we've all worked with people that um, don't treat them the same. And that like pisses me off. So I'm like, really? These are the people that literally make you look good before you go on stage and like, you know, make sure that you don't, you know, rip your pants out there. So I, I think respect of, um, this is a tangent, but I just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> respect. No, of it's seriously so important. It's so important. And, and it, I, you have to reiterate it because it's literally um, a third of people that understand the importance of it. I, I'm very passionate about that too. I'm like, there. I we've dealt with so many people where I'm just like, really? Like, Well, and you don't know it, but like the first job I had, I mean, these beautiful, again, they were probably performers themselves, were stitching up my tiny little nude fishnet. And they would, you know, when you have to cut the feet to fit in your heel or do aerial, they would sew it so beautifully. And like, I did not know how good I had it because I was 10. But literally now I know. And after doing your own show and moving from job to job and you're like, uh, that was the, that was it. I had it really good. So I'm so grateful and appreciative for that. Totally. Um, oh, Taylor about the ultra lounge. So I've been in Vegas so long. I was totally that, kidding. I didn't actually expect no, you to have an answer you to really this. You really need to know. With it. MGM was like family. And then they went to, nope, we're adult only Sin City. And that's when the ultra loungers came up. You know, it's like everyone had to have a signature tower suddenly. It's, I mean, Vegas goes through these phases and I've been through so many of them. So that's an ultra lounge. Well, and right now it's like, who can have the biggest damn video screen on the side of your entire hotel? Like Palms was like, oh, we're the biggest in the world. And then Resorts World's like, hold my beer. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Oh, there's always something. Always something. Um, well, let's talk about, um, so creating, directing, producing your own show. Um, how, how did we get there and how was that process? Oh man, me and my girlfriend Summer got together and you know, we always are like writing shows or doing stuff like that and we just did it. And it was the most stressful thing I've ever done, like in, to, in the sense, but like 
the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And it's so cool because as you know, I create other people's dreams and visions constantly. So I don't always get to do what Jamie wants. And that's not a bad thing. I'm so fortunate, but it's fun sometimes to do what you would do. And then clearly I've grown so much since then. I can't wait to do it more and more, but um, we've actually written a lot of shows and we just like kind of have them like for when the time's right. Cause as we all know, <laughs> timing's everything. <laughs> Were you choreographing while you were also performing? Because, you know, I think it's the same. I always say with dancers, um, obviously choreography comes naturally uh, more to some people than it does to others. And sometimes you just got to like, you know, do what speaks to you. But with actors, they say a lot of times, yes, you should be working on your craft. You should be in acting class, practicing all of that. But when you're in your downtime, like in between auditions, you should be writing. And I kind of look at dance and choreography that same way where you should be taking classes and dancing, but also choreographing, even if you hate it. It's sometimes good to kind of, you know, get those ideas out there. So were you doing that simultaneously? Did you always know you wanted to be like fully a choreographer or always just kind of combining all of those things together? So for me, it was crazy. Um, I went back home to Phoenix a couple years ago and I was like cleaning out. I was like, okay, hey, mom, stop boarding. Like we can let go of these little yearbooks and things like I'm good. And I saw this little neon green like report that I must have done. I don't know when in school. And I literally had this dancer poster like laminated and I was like, I want to be a choreographer. I don't remember doing that. I knew I always wanted to be a choreographer. I mean, I was always like, hey, film me. Hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, guys, let's dance. I was never afraid of that and kind of leading people. But I mean, I didn't expect it necessarily to be true and come true. Um, so I started choreographing my own solos and things like that when my mom couldn't afford the lessons, you know, from the professionals. So that I think carried on as my future continued. And then I was like, well, let's create my own show. I was so inspired by the show 40 Deuce. And when it closed, my heart was like, no. So I wanted to continue that and, you know, kind of bounce something off that. So that's what got me to create my own show. But um, it wasn't until I was still performing a lot and choreographing. I had an injury and nothing like an injury to kind of make you go, okay. And I was getting calls to choreograph still, which I thought was really cool. But I was like, wow, can I even move my legs right now? I'm just going to move my arms, which is funny because I think that's where my style happened. Because <laughs> I was uh, literally out and, um, in Larev and I was on surgery. I was out on leave and that's when it literally became full-time choreographer for me. So the transition was organic, but it's crazy. It's like a little lotus. That's why I have it tattooed on me. It's like something so ugly and murky just became something so beautiful. Because you never know when to transition and the path was literally like paved for me and so i'm so grateful it sounds weird but i'm glad i transitioned a little younger um because i definitely love it and i feel like i'm meant to do it and it's worked out for me so far so that's incredible then, i think i i think i wrote in like when i was like in first grade i wrote one of those projects too but i said i wanted to be a pop singer so i did not ah! Did not do that. It was like me with a microphone, but something along the lines of performing. But that's crazy that you were like, I want to be a choreographer because I feel like I didn't even know what that meant at that time. But that's such a beautiful story. And yeah, you never really know how the transitions are going to happen. You can't plan them. But when it yep. comes to you naturally, you got to like take that bull by the horns. Like it's, it's well, and you know, when like your, um, your studio owner, like she has a daughter and she's stuck at the studio all day. And I'm like, I want to be that girl. <laughs> like, 
like I was so obsessed. So I would like stay the night at teacher's house and stuff like that. My poor mom would drive me everywhere. But um, I think it just was always ignited in me. I don't know, but thank God it happened. So Totally, yeah. Um, how, because I know this is something that Alex and I have talked about before, but being a choreographer, producer, creating, whether it's a gig or a show, you, I've had experience with working with you on both aspects <laughs> of it as a dancer and a choreographer, and both at the same time, which blows my mind when people... Uh-uh. I have so much respect for people that can create and also be in their own choreography or their own piece or their own first girl to fall in the splash mob, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, how is that? Like, how, how do you find that balance of being leader choreographer, but then also like part of the crew and part of, you know, the, the, the dance ensemble as well? It's crazy. I think it used to work out a little bit easier um, as we're getting, as we've gotten into these like, extreme productions in nine minutes. I'm like, I don't think I could do it anymore. Um, I do a couple of projects that I know I could handle. Um, Also, as I get older, I think there's things that are appropriate for me and not. So I've definitely transitioned more as to full-time choreo, but in the time, I think it was you, we were dancing to the magic abracadabra. Oh my God, I can't remember. It's hard um, when you do the blocking and stuff like that. Obviously we have an amazing team with us and they've helped, but yeah, I can even tell my brain since performing less, it doesn't retain what it used to, but it's, it's a lot of stress to take that on. But like I said, as the productions got longer, more serious, more elements involved, I pretty much had to step back because you just can't do it all. I think it was, I jumped in as a robot in the light suit with a bunch of guys and I was like, yeah, I couldn't remember this choreo. And that's not me, but like you just have so much on your mind with, oh, grab this twirling light stick and jump over here. And are are the roller skaters okay? Are the stairs set? Is the smoke on? (laughs) And my head can't stop thinking in that direction now. So it's definitely, I give props to whoever does it. That's amazing though, but you can jump in at any time if someone gets injured. (laughs) Last minute, you'd be like, okay, cool, I'm going to go in. But (laughs) I do, I find it easier to do your own choreography uh, when it's a duet. Like a oh, duet, yeah. it's like a little bit easier mentally to kind of figure out and feel what's next. But with a group, it gets so difficult. And then doing the productions on the scale that you're doing them, yeah, that's got to be so tough. But definitely amazing that you can do both. So if you can give us more detail on what it was like creating and directing a show. Uh, I know you said you were really inspired by 40 Deuce, but how do you even sit down and like write it out and structure it and that process? What is that like? So for me, sometimes it's like, um, I'm all about the music. So for me, it's the music. Um, I also love, I I may not come across as being original sometimes, but I love originality. So obviously we're always inspired by things, but it's so important to me not to copy. And I love to just create what's in my head. So sometimes I've even been told, um, I will like see something and I'll have it welded like a prop. And people are like, oh, we did that, but they didn't use it the same way. And so it's funny, I just, I really don't, I, I actually don't go on YouTube and study all these videos. I literally just kind of have these visions when I sleep or if I listen to something. So I think um, that's where it starts. It's a playlist for me. And then it creates a story in my head. I literally see costume, I see visions, I see, and then the dancers come. You know, that's the fun part for me. So that's what gets me going though, is the, the playlist. 
I feel like you imagine you if you're an artist and a visionary, you do see the colors. Like especially when you start with the music, it makes you feel certain colors. It makes you feel certain auras. So then it always that kind of grows from there. It's never, yeah, that's really beautiful. I feel like it always starts with the music. I find it yeah. um, interesting, and I want to pick people's brain who uh, don't start with the music. I'm like, yes, hey, I how it. how. I've heard of some choreographers that just start with the movement and I'm like, that's awesome. Um, I haven't tried that. I guess that could work too, but. Yeah, it's very like, um, when you say like, yeah, you see colors, what is that? Uh, synesthesia, I think, is that like, which would be oh, the wow. coolest disorder. Like you see, you hear music and you're like green, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. That's amazing. Um, I see, I write like little, I have all these pages, you should see, I have like this old thing and I've saved them because I'm like, maybe one day it'll just be cool to show them. Um, but I've written shows of, and all they start out is a little paper and the, the song title. And then there's like, you know, I don't know, neon green pleather boots. And I'm like, that's what I saw when I, you know, and I pull pictures to try to explain that feeling to that music. I don't know what the dance is yet, but that's how it starts. And I have tons of those. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like, you know, right and left brain, but kind of what you're saying, Alex, about like some people, some people start with counts and some people start with feelings. And yeah, it's just interesting because it's like even further dissecting the creative side of our brain. But anyway. And some um, people start with ripples. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's going to be in a cannon and then, oh my gosh. But you know, if you need counts for a ripple, girl, I got you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It also, I guess, depends on who your client is. Like if it's your freedom and it's your idea and then versus someone hiring you, then that totally, that can change things. Oh, absolutely. And I think I get put in that box sometimes, which um, it wasn't until, you know, we've had this long pause, is what I'll call it, that I was teaching, I was doing a collaboration and I sent a playlist to my friend and she's like, this is your playlist? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, just because I create and choreograph a lot in the corporate scene doesn't mean that's my jam. Like, that's my playlist. Like, so I think it's important to do your own projects, your passion projects. And, you know, but it's funny, people put you in a box sometimes. They just think, oh, that's what you do. But like I said, like, I think I'm known for versatility. Definitely not a master at anything. Just do a lot of little bits of everything. <laughs> If that so what makes you're sense. telling me is you don't listen to Fireball <laughs> Pitbull on repeat at all times. And if anyone oh, man. corporate entertainment, like, you know, there's just like this staple library of like, this is appropriate and this is what they want to hear. But yeah, it definitely. Top 40. Yeah. Totally. I'm like, how many versions, how many times have I danced to this Kelly Clarkson song? But <laughs> I actually have a funny story to that. Um, my mom's obsessive with the gym. She's a fanatic. So she sends me songs on Apple tunes that she likes as she jams out on her Peloton or whatever. And sometimes I put those in a special little playlist to showcase to clients because it seems that that's if my mom knows it. If mom is working out to it, it will probably entertain <laughs> some 500 in a corporate ballroom in a hotel. Uh, here. In that's all I'm saying. I love mom, my mom's pretty hip too. P.S. <laughs> wait sorry one quick question t brown and then i'll let you go how many um corporate gigs have you had to choreograph to the greatest showman playlist oh Benny? is that for me or is that for taylor <laughs> i feel like it's for both of you because yes. that's every question is the answer is yes i can't even count so i can't even count um yeah that's all i had i can't even count but like it's still going it's still happening 
That's so, so interesting. Yeah. And I feel like such a fraud. So I've seen like most every mu- movie musical ever, like a thousand times. I have never seen The Greatest Showman and I've never ah! a fraud. And I feel like I just needed to take a break because I saw Dream Girls five times in the theater. Yeah. Like Moulin Rouge is my favorite film. Like I, I just was so into them back in the day that I, and then The Greatest Showman was happening and I was assisting Miguel Perez for another corporate gig. And I, that was another one of the songs. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm ready to watch the movie yet. Cause I've heard the whole soundtrack 20 times before experiencing it, but I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, you can just say, I'll have Taylor answer for me on that one. <laughs> still the greatest show. Nine shows later. I know, um, right? Nine minutes later. Nine minutes and all the props. Um, okay, so Jamie, let's talk about, so this long pause obviously has, um, has brought a lot of innovation to the dance industry um, and yourself included um, with the launch of your new choreography platform, JK Choreography. Um, how did you, how did we get there? And just, can you talk a little bit about that? For sure. Um, I think, you know, it's also finding myself as that artist, I knew who I was, and now finding myself as that choreographer, when we had this long pause, I never had time to think about what I even wanted or, you know, what I saw or had time to update my website. And so I am actually super grateful um, it's given me time to evolve as who I am. And so nothing better than a little bit of focus on what do I want? How do I see myself evolving in this or navigating through this new um, process? You know, we've done so much virtual stuff. So I thought, let's start with a new logo. Let's start with this. Let's start with that. I've also bounced around. I mean, you guys weren't here yet, but like I've had a couple of different business names. And so I just think it's always cool to keep it fresh and um, I'm getting there. I know who I am now these days, you know, and so you kind of figure it out. And so I just thought JK choreography is great. I also started an online thing who hasn't. So, you know, I just thought that was a great way to kind of put myself out there. If anybody needs custom choreo or online classes, I mean, it started to get a little bit oversaturated, but I do, that's kind of what ignited that. So I think that's the big part about, you know, you saying that you're really positive, um, you know, with all of this going on and this is a rebranding time. And I always kind of talk about, you know, when the recession was happening in 2008, 2009, that was a time where a lot of businesses were born like Venmo and Uber and it's this rebranding time. So it, it that, that's the positive side. It's, oh, cool. I have a moment to breathe. I have a moment to see like, okay, you know, when you Google your name, you're like, what actually comes up when I Google my name? Is it my website? Does it look nice for people who don't know me and who aren't, you know, Vegas residents or anyone else uh, in the U.S.? It's like kind of cleaning that slate and making sure it's exactly how we're feeling. So I can totally see that being the positive part to all of this. Yeah, definitely. And just like kind of, um, again, taking a minute from my brain and what do I want to see come out of this? What's important to me? Um, how can I help the community? How can we keep positivity going? And then just, again, like for me, it's just been these like collaborations or just trying to lift everybody up and, you know, do what we can. Totally. Yeah. Um, I know most recently um, you partnered up with um, our good friends, Jolie and Alexi, um, the wellness yeah! and did this super badass like, pop-up class experience like in the middle of the desert like I just I've seen little clips and teasers and I think that's so cool and again with innovation and trying to still offer you know 
teaching and classes, but when we can't be in studios, it's like, how do you accommodate that? And so props to you because like, I, I thought, I, I just, it, I was sad I couldn't be there. It looks so beautiful. Uh, um, yeah, so, so congrats to that. Unless if there's anything you wanna to touch on with that too, I'd love to hear. Well, it was so cool. I mean, the wellness blend, the sisters were very close and it's actually funny. I'll just give you a short story on it. We started creating because I think we were all kind of doing the same social distancing. We really weren't going out. We weren't doing anything. So when JK was evolving, I said, hey, I'm going to do this first piece. Uh, will you come learn it? I'd love to have two assistants in the first one. And they did. And they killed it. And then that went online. We went on to other ventures. But then we just kept dancing together because I think we all felt safe. We're like, oh, and clearly they're amazing. So, of course. So then we did a couple video shoots and then they, I was going to teach a masterclass for them. Um, I think just in their living room or, or whatever. And I said, guys, I, I was doing a video shoot. There was no roof. It was outside. And I was like, I think I have an idea. And so of course I was like, what if I could get mirrors and we go out, you know, just to make everyone safe, well ventilated. And then obviously um, showcasing their beautiful brand and the fact that it all came together just to tie all these stories together. I reached out to, my old stage friend at um, MGM, and he provided me the mirrors and the jack stands and the clamps, and he's like, let's make it happen. So once again, Las Vegas community is real strong, and it was a beautiful, magical experience, and stay tuned. We'll do something else again, but I promise when I say I'm going to do something, it's like, you should show up. It's going to be different. I love that. Yeah, well, congrats to you, and I look forward to, to the next opportunity. Um, so I, I specifically wanted to ask you this, Jamie, because I feel like our personalities vibe on this. Please, uh, in your career, your funniest or most embarrassing moment, either on stage, in a performance, or in an audition. Yeah, okay. There's a few of these, but I, I think I have one. Um, I was doing a show, and the artist is up on this, like, giant lift. So he flies up it's all fire and then the fire goes away and we come out right so we're coming out and we're all in gold and it's just super hot and we're just like pulsing and I have this short little dress on and nothing but my personal blue g-string that was shimmery because I forgot my trunks so I would say and that's like a on stage like there's no going back I didn't even know I forgot my trunks until my dresser was holding them saying p.s you forgot these but I was living my life in my blue shimmer g-string on stage that's amazing and yeah and this was a corporate never, show <laughs> oh my gosh and that feeling of like okay so there's fire you have pyro there's definitely no way of going back like what and if you have any lift moves like once you step out on stage you are permanently on stage until it's safe to leave so it's like yeah it was it was a nice chiffon it definitely probably was flying around i'm sure the lights hit it since everyone was just wearing gold. I was really lucky when I was performing at Love because I had a pantsuit, so I never had to ah. worry about all the other girls who wore dresses and skirts. It was always like, wait, do I have shorts on? So I never had to have um, that fear, but definitely back in my competition days, for sure, I was like, you're <laughs> doing those quick changes. Like, you're like, do I have everything? You <laughs> think you do. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. That was amazing. Back in the day before four-way stretch pants of Lululemon, like I would go to competitions and bring like five pairs of black slacks from like Kohl's and Walmart. Um, and yeah, you always had to wear black underwear because everyone loves a boy that can do a toe touch. But you know, that's sometimes you get more than you bargain for. But I remember yeah. my mom even, we were like in 
uh, South Carolina for a competition. And it was like late at night and uh, yeah, ripped my pants and full on was like 20 safety pins, gaff tape. Like she's like getting creative with whatever the hell we could find. So props to you, mom. Thanks for, thanks for keeping my pants together. But, I love that. Yeah. Jamie, thank you so much. I mean, this has been an incredible, um, incredible time just picking your brain and hearing everything that you have to say. And um, it's fun for me too. I, I'm like selfishly, this podcast has a, like <laughs> I tell Alex, I'm like, you're going to get so sick of me because I'm going to see you every day. But like that, our friendship I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And then this same experience with you, like getting able to, being able to hear the full progression of things is, is so interesting. And I'm just so grateful. It's that inspiring. Totally. But I'm grateful that, that our paths have crossed and that, um, yeah, you just continue to lead this Las Vegas community with such a beautiful um, light. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us. We really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. If you want to um, catch up with Jamie, you can find her on social media, on Instagram at JK, that's J-K-A-Y choreography. Definitely give her a follow and some love um, and stay tuned for our next pop-up masterclass experience. But again, Jamie, thank you so much uh, for your time, your energy, and we wish you the best for the rest of this crazy time. I love you guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.